Welcome to the Financial Life Podcast with me, Ben Robel. This is episode 38. Thanks for tuning in. Now, before we get started, let me emphasize that I don't know you and you don't know me, so I'm not recommending anything in this episode. Instead, my goal is to ensure that you can make decisions in your financial life with as much context as possible. So we've just started a new year, and it's therefore a great time to review performance for 2023. If you're not thinking about it, I know your advisor is thinking about it, and I know the fintech apps and the trading platforms are all getting this information together for you. This is an important habit to build if you have not started to do it already. It's important because without an understanding of where you are, it's hard to determine where you're going and whether you're even going to get there. It's also important because reviewing and reacting to performance will help you understand what kind of investor you are, and that will help you make better decisions in the future. Looking at the cards doesn't change them, as they say in poker. And at the same time, not looking at your performance doesn't change it either. Let's dig in. First, it's important to acknowledge that many people use investing in whatever format they prefer to try to maximize their wealth. Now, this is a difficult task to set for yourself because it is virtually impossible to own the best performing asset every single year. Let's use a simplified example. Here are the best performing stocks from the S&P 500 over the last four years. 2023, NVIDIA plus 254%. 2022, Occidental Petroleum plus 117%. 2021, Devon Energy Corp plus 196%. And 2020, Tesla plus 743%. So we would have to have bought Tesla on December 31st, 2019, and then sold it on January 1st, 2021 to purchase Devon Energy Corp and et cetera until today or yesterday when we would have sold our NVIDIA holding. Now, in a universe limited to 500 stocks, this is almost impossible, much less across all investment options, across all asset classes, across all countries. And we also have to pay taxes every time we switch from one stock to the next. That means we can't really achieve these results, even if we're really focused on just paying long-term capital gains taxes by holding everything for at least a year. Most investing is really about trading off risk and reward, acknowledging that they are linked. The riskier something is, the higher the return it has to offer. If the return offered is judged to be too low by the market, then no one will buy it and the asset's price will fall until its potential return increases enough that the market thinks it's sufficient to offset the risk. So because most investing is about trading off risk and reward, it cannot be a return maximizing exercise. If we go back to the four bucket framework for wealth that we discussed in episodes 16 through 21 of this podcast, it may now be more clear why it is set up as it is. The first bucket is only cash, so no real investing there. The second bucket, the cash plus bucket, is focused on intermediate purchases within two to five years. So if we do the math right, we're not really interested in the intraday, intramonth, intraquarter, or intra-year performance of the investments we made. We are really only interested in whether the companies or the governments that issued the investments we made will go bankrupt. The investing bucket. The third bucket is the one where we are most focused on performance because it is the only one that holds risky investments and that is there to ensure our long-term goals. We need to understand whether it is on track and, if not, what we can do about it. This isn't a football score. You don't need to check it every five minutes. Checking it every year, 
checking it maybe a couple times a year makes sense. But if you're looking at it every day, you don't have conviction in what you own. Now, just to complete the picture, it isn't that we are not interested in the performance of the fourth bucket, the legacy bucket. We are. But because the investments we make are not critical to our long-term well-being, they can be riskier, and therefore, they will be more volatile. They will have good and bad years more often with a trend toward good, we hope. Now, with all that said, there's one really important concept to understand for your investment performance. And that is the difference between cash and percentage returns. Percentage returns are easy to get and help us to compare different investments to each other, no matter the size of our holding. However, we don't live on percentage returns. None of us. We live on cash returns. So we need to understand both. On Monday, I posted an easy graphic on Instagram, Ben underscore Robel, that shows how cash performance is calculated. We take the starting value, add in any contributions like money we added to the account and income like interest and dividends. We subtract out any withdrawals like money we took out of the account or fees that we paid. And last, we have the ending value. Well, almost last. We're missing something here, and that is the key to getting the math to work. We are missing the change in value, which can be positive or negative. So rather than trying to add the change in value for every single holding that we have in the account, we use this basic framework to understand the performance of the account overall, and we use the number that makes the math above add up to understand the overall performance. The total return we make is the change in value line, plus any income, dividends and interest, less any fees. Makes sense, right? You can't add money to an account and then call it positive performance. Now, there are companies out there whose software will do this, so be careful. To get the percentage returns, we have to take the pieces that make up total return and time weight them. Think about any mutual fund you own where you set the dividends to reinvest. You have to calculate the performance of your original holding as well as the performance of the incremental purchases from that reinvestment program. Now, this is something your advisor or broker or trading platform or fintech app will do for you. Sometimes it can be complicated because it can involve a lot of moving parts for an account that holds more than only a few assets. So the beginning of the year, when things are a little quiet at work, not everybody is back from vacation, is a great time to start looking at your performance and understanding how it's done. For those of you who have private equity investments, your advisors, your fintech apps, your trading platforms are getting that information together for you. It's always delayed. Rest assured, you will have that information as soon as they do. So be patient and be kind to your providers. Thanks for listening. I hope that this is helpful context for you and your financial life.